Welcome to the Empowered Curiosity Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Kat Lee. I'm here to explore the ideas, stories, and experiences that dig deep into what it means to be an empowered and curious human. Together, we'll connect over emotional alchemy, conscious relationships, and embodiment medicine. On this podcast, I'll be sharing tools, techniques, and wisdom about coming back home to the truest version of yourself. Welcome to the Empowered Curiosity Podcast. This week, I want to start out by identifying who might be best served by this conversation. I sat down to chat with my friend Andrew Kippen, and he helps coaches and other helping professionals to work on their business and get them to their financial goals. Also wrapped up in all of that is a lot of these stories and perhaps some small T or big T traumas that might have gotten in our way in the past. And so this particular episode is going to be really helpful if you are a helping professional and you're wondering, why can't I just get to that next level? Why can't I expand my business? Why can't I hit my financial goals? Why can't I show up in social media? Um, Why is it so hard to market myself So we're going to dive into all those types of questions. Andrew and I come from very different backgrounds, but the thing that we have in common is that we both come from a place where we served a little bit too much, hit a bit of a burnout, and have learned to cultivate our own reserves, cultivate our own energies, to be of better service to our audience, to our community, and to our clients. So in this episode, you get to peek into the minds and the behind the scenes of what happens on the coaching side. Because if I'm being completely honest with you, my business has been one of the deepest spiritual practices that I've cultivated, and I'm so proud of the work that's come out of it, but it has been fucking hard. And so if this is you, if you're feeling like there's a bit of a blocker, a struggle, or a challenge to get to that next step in your business, this is going to be a really helpful conversation because it's not just about the nuts and bolts of what you should be doing. It's really about exploring what happened in your past that makes this particular next step feel unsafe and how can we move through those challenges in a way that feels empowering. Before we get into that conversation with Andrew... I just wanted to extend a invitation into our Remembrance community. If you are somebody who's been listening to these podcast episodes, I'm so, so glad that you're here. But if you wanted to take this relationship a little bit deeper, Remembrance is the perfect place to do that. And so in Remembrance, this is a monthly subscription. You get two monthly calls with me. And that first monthly call is an intention circle. So we get deep into a particular topic. So these last few months, we've been diving deep into the nervous system, specifically about where our traumas come from, these strategies that our nervous systems have beautifully adapted to be able to survive those particular traumas, and learning where those strategies may no longer be serving us. So being able to work through those blocks, being able to work through those challenges is so fundamental to being able to connect to your true self. And that's what we've been doing in the Remembrance community. Honestly, hosting these group ceremonies is one of my favorite ways to connect with the community. There's something really magical that happens when a group of well-intentioned folks 
gather together and hold each other in a safe space. There's that co-regulation that happens that's so rare in our communities nowadays. And so this place gets to be a completely safe space for you to show up and work through whatever is on your heart in the moment. All that information is on the Empowered Curiosity website, empoweredcuriosity.com. And with that, I am going to just hit play on this interview that I did with Andrew Kippen. to the Empowered Curiosity podcast. So today I have got my dear friend Andrew Kippen on and this conversation is going to be particularly for those of us who are entrepreneurs, um, folks who are in the healing profession. And, you know, I, I didn't realize this when I first started my practice many years ago that it was going to bring up so many things um, in terms of spirit and triggers and all of my old woundings and traumas. And so I think Andrew is the perfect person to have this conversation with because this is what he works on um, with his clients is, is not just approaching business from a nuts and bolts standpoint, but also from a spiritual and embodied and somatic experience that is part of the bigger picture of your life. So thank you so very much for being here, Andrew. Yeah, thank you, Kat. I'm excited to be here. Mm. So I think just to get folks a bit of a context of where you're coming from, can you just share a little bit about your background and why you feel so passionate about this particular topic? Yeah, happily. Um, so I uh, currently live in in between Woodstock, New York, and Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent quite a few years working in marketing and PR, both on the agency side. I did a little work uh, three years at uh, the embassy side, which most people don't get, uh, but helping French companies export to the US. And then uh, working in-house. So after the agency side of doing go-to-market strategy and public relations, I went in-house at a company called Boxy as their head of marketing and loved it, took them from launch all the way to sale to Samsung, and uh, then worked for another couple of of startups. And all along that journey, just suffered. Mm. (laughs) You know, like just really did the thing that I thought I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And I was bought in and I was working 10 hour days and sacrificing relationships and friendships and holidays and going to sleep with my laptop, waking up with my laptop, um, which, you know, for, for a 20 something, you know, I, I really internalized that as my purpose in life was to make this company successful. Mm. And, um, eventually just got to this place of burnout, overwhelm, imposter syndrome. I was angry with the CEO that I was working with, uh, at another company. And I was, I was just frustrated and depressed. And after probably about three months of not wanting to see my friends, not wanting to exercise, not wanting to go out really, I just was working, coming home and 
either watching TV or playing video games. Um, I reached out to a psychologist for help and he put me in touch with a hypnotherapist and I walked in not knowing what to expect and I walked out as a New Yorker feeling relaxed and refreshed, which is a pretty rare state for people in New York as well as uh, especially for, for people who are working at startups. And then after the second session, it was like somebody had hit the reset button on me and I realized I'd been carrying this 80 pound backpack of emotions into work each day mm -hmm. and kind of angry with the world, a victim to the world, uh, not feeling confident. And all of a sudden, like that, it all changed. Mm -hmm. Everything shifted. And I'm there and I'm thinking, oh, great. Like now, we, now I can get to work. And a week later I was fired. And then two weeks after that, I was in hypnotherapy training. Mm. And it was the most fascinating thing I had ever experienced up until that point. And what I, you know, what, what kind of shifted in my life was recognizing all the tools and the perspectives that I got in my hypnotherapy training about how we as humans work, how our brains and bodies work, um, how they're so intertwined and how much control we have over our bodies from our brains. Mm -hmm. um, and now I would say vice versa. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, oh my God, there's like so many people suffering in the business world through stuff that they don't have to mm -hmm. and that they could quickly work through if they just had the right tools. Mm -hmm. And so that started me on a path of teaching, wanting to discover more, wanting to, I tell people like hypnotherapy was my gateway modality. Like other people have a gateway drug. That was my gateway modality. And then it opened me up to breath work, shamanism, energy work, Reiki, Qigong, Tai Chi, like all of these different disciplines. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll, I'll pause there because there's another journey from starving artist healer to actually successful and able to sustain myself healer, mm -hmm. which is what we'll get to in, in the meat and potatoes yeah. of this. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you give us a chance to pause because there's definitely some stuff I want to circle back to that I think would resonate with the audience here, which is yeah. this idea of having internalized success as a purpose and this idea of living your life from should like that mm. should story. Right. And I think so many of us go through life being driven by that story. And, and so a lot of the work that I talk about is not about fracturing these parts of you because they've actually served. Right. So that should story, whatever that story is, whether it's I should be a good girl, I should be, you know, um, should make a certain amount of money, I should be useful in this particular way. Um, it has gotten us to a point of of success in some places, right? And yeah. and so it's not something that hmm, I think we need to separate from as you deepen into a spiritual practice and specifically as you deepen into a spiritual practice on in the business world and thinking about your business as a spiritual practice, but it's something that needs to be integrated and acknowledged and honored. Um, and so I'm curious about what should stories 
either from your personal life or from your clients, like, like flesh out a little bit of what that, that pain feels like for us. Mm. Yeah. I mean, from, from my own life, it was basically like, I should do whatever the company needs. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that's pervasive inside of a startup. Mm-hmm. Um, and outside of that, I should be, I should be nice. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't be frustrated. Um, I should be making X amount of money. Mm-hmm. I should have this title. And, and there was a certain kind of like cachet there that felt great for my ego mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and afforded me a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have other ha- mm-hmm. otherwise had. It's just unfortunate that it was at the expense of relationships and health and really being connected to who I actually was mm-hmm. uh, and what I wanted. So one of the things I noticed um, was that when I'd be at trade shows, I loved it. I loved meeting people and hearing their stories and connecting with them. Um, I loved doing PR. I loved meeting reporters and answering their questions and feeling useful mm-hmm. uh, and, and building those relationships. I hated like putting together creative and putting it out there for everyone on the team to judge. Mm. Like, are these words okay? Is this image okay? Um, you know, strategically, I think I, I was uh, fairly strong, but on the creative and design side, I always was just like, oof, never, it was never good enough. Mm. Um, so that was one of my wounds that I was working with. Mm-hmm. And I see this, I see this in a lot of my clients, yeah. the not good enough, the not lovable, um, particularly, and that, that separation of what should I do, which feels very cerebral, and what do I want to do, mm-hmm. which is very heart-focused heart for me, mm-hmm. and just recognizing, like, a lot of the clients that I work with come from that Ivy League um, trained, like, oh, mind over matter. Mm-hmm. And they're totally disconnected from their hearts mm-hmm. and their wants and desires. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a lot, of, a lot of the reason why I've shifted from working with those clientele, which I do in my coaching business, to working with healers is because I love working with people who have their hearts in the right place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And who can who can like feel into what it is that they really want, and they just don't know how to quite birth it into the world mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. As you're speaking, I'm I'm sort of reflecting on my own story, and realizing how deeply those should stories are connected to those core original woundings. You know, I spent 12 years as an acupuncturist and like that was as you said in using your words you know that was your gateway modality acupuncture was my gateway modality um yeah but I looking back on my career I can see how it was the perfect career for me to choose back then because it it helped me it triggered all my woundings and it also helped me resolve all my woundings Right. And so Mm -hmm. like this idea of like, I need to be a helpful person. I need to fix everything and everyone around me. 
like finally acupuncture gave me a quote-unquote tool to be able to do that um but the longer and longer I practiced I started realizing that actually no people do not come hmm it's not it's if people don't need to be healed they need to be in a safe place so that they can heal themselves mm-hmm. but that takes the power away from you know my archetype as being the savior of all the things and all the people um and so like as you know listener as you're listening to this if you have a should story um think back on how that might relate to an original wounding of yours probably from your family of origin and um and so this is not to uh to punish yourself or to have shame around it it's really to bring awareness to that fact so you can make different decisions and make conscious choices that are not based on triggering and trying to fix and heal that old wound of yours right yeah i love what ramdas says about this and he says you know if you, if you feel like you should meditate don't <laughs> just go have sex go drink like do whatever do whatever you want to do mm. and eventually you'll come back and and you'll discover it and you'll want it mm-hmm. and when you want it you'll actually stick with it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and i think that's true i think there's a lot of people who don't ever let go of the shoulds because they think everything will fall apart and everything will break and who am i without those that that externalized kind of ego identity right. or that externalized blueprint of who i should be right. um or the relationship mm-hmm. like what the relationship that i'm in should be mm-hmm. and once we let that fall away you really start to get a I think the interesting piece of like, who are you really? Mm-hmm. Like letting go of the Western striving and the good school and the salary and the job and the perfect partner and the kids and the suburban house. Like, who are you outside of that checklist? Right. And I don't know if, um, I don't know if, if you experience this, but like sometimes clients will tell me what it is that they want i'll tell them that i'll ask them like what are you what are you dreaming of and they'll tell me the dream and i'm like god this is like mass manufactured and printed and given to us all um and it's really in the nuance of how partnership comes about or how home comes about or work like it's in the nuance and the uniqueness that we actually show that we're in touch with who we are as people mm-hmm. rather than just kind of the mass market oh yeah like i want a nice house and i want a nice partner and i want kids and i want them like okay yeah yeah, yeah. like <laughs> i've seen that sitcom before mm-hmm. what's underneath that yeah. you know yeah. yeah i mean that was the first 30 years of my life i don't even need to project out into like clients it's you know right i had the perfect quote-unquote perfect husband the college degree the acupuncture practice the home the cars you know like and the mtv cribs episode, yeah like all exactly of exactly and there because you know you touched on earlier it wasn't tapped into heart space it wasn't tapped into what my wants and desires are how i want to show up in the world 
what my why was in the world, um, it all felt really empty, right? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, my 30s has been about just scrapping all of that and releasing attachment to all those little pieces of identity and conditions and narratives and stories that have kept me safe for so long. And um, it's freaking hard work. But, you know, the work becomes more aligned. You know, it, it, yeah. the, the way that I market now is so different from the way I used to market in my early years of practice. Everything changes when you're working from a heart aligned space. And so this is why I think this conversation is so important to have is it's not about, okay, so you need to post on social media X amount of times a week. You need to take this copy course or you need to take um, this, you know, business course. It's really about, okay, so when you get centered in your heart space, like that's where everything stems from including your business and it's like if you're spending you know 30 to 40 hours in your practice in your business a week like that's a significant amount of your life that if you're not aligned with your heart you're spending outside of your true self you know yeah um as i as i hear your your story um I just recognize that that shift in our, for most people, it's in the 30s, sometimes earlier, sometimes later, and that um, all of a sudden, we, when we get plugged into our hearts, and I, I want to be really clear because I think the, um, the idea is not to go fully heart, heart-centered and lose your brain and lose your skills. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, how do we train brain and heart to work together? And how do we move through this and through our trauma using our businesses? Mm -hmm. But I, but I really appreciate, you know, for, for a lot of people there when they shift. So I I work with a lot of people who have had a successful first career Mm -hmm and want to shift into a second career mm-hmm. that's more heart aligned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so whether that's, I'm an athlete, and now because of an injury, I want to be a coach mm-hmm. or a meditation teacher. Mm-hmm. I've got other clients who were um, chefs and are now becoming social workers or therapists. Mm-hmm. I've got people who uh, were successful entrepreneurs and executives and now want to move into the healing world. So what I, what I think happens is we amass enough life in the shoulds and it eventually gets so painful and so unfulfilling that we break. Yeah. And in the breakdown, my, my pastor used to say this, in the breakdown, we come to the breakthrough and in the breakthrough, we have the breakout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we have the quote-unquote hero's journey or the dark night of the soul struggling. Um, and th- this is what I wanted to ask or share and, and ask you. I can tell you there was a massive ego death that had to happen for me to go from head of marketing at a reputable you know, Manhattan startup to hypnotist. Mm-hmm. There was so much of me that was like, what? 
What are you Absolutely. doing? What are you? How on earth does this make any sense? Mm -hmm. And that was my brain. That was my ego yeah. talking. And in my heart, I was like, this is so fun. Like, this is such beautiful work. And I'm seeing, I know what it feels like. I'm watching the results come out from the clients that I'm seeing. Um, let's keep going mm -hmm. and just see where it leads. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious what that was like for you in your shift out of acupuncture. Mm, yeah. Or, or uh, expanding yeah, beyond. Yeah, absolutely a huge ego death. And um, something that you said that like struck a chord with me is that, um, that all that history is about amassing life. And, and so I don't regret any of the time that I spent in school, in acupuncture school, getting my master's degree, you know, studying for my boards, building a practice, joining a practice, like none of that, I don't regret any of it because I needed to amass all of that to be able to bring all those pains, challenges, and struggles into my coaching practice now. Um, and in that releasing of acupuncturist as my identity, um, mm -hmm which came with a lot of ego, right? It came with a master's degree. It came with a practice that I had built up from scratch. It came with a practice that I joined later on in my career and was seeing like 50 clients a week. Um, and it came with all these things that I had, as you had said earlier, like internalized as markers of success. And it also came with burnout, resentment, um, not taking care of myself the way that I was, the way that I was telling other people to take care of themselves, mm. you know, and, and so that ego release is no different from any of the other spiritual ego deaths that I've had to go through in the past. And the more and more I connect to my true self and connect to my inner spirit, I'm finding that it's less about adding things to myself and more about subtracting. And so I think about yeah. spirituality as a subtractive process. And so like, oh, here's another layer that needs to be released. That brings me a little closer to my true self. Here's another layer. Here's another layer. Mm -hmm. And with every one of those layers, I do think of that as, you know, your words were an ego death. Um, and, and I think that by the time you get to your thirties, you have hopefully, um, amassed enough discomfort that there is a shell that needs to be released. Right. Ooh, amassed enough discomfort. I like <laughs> that idea. <laughs> and it like yeah. the, the lead up to the release is the hard part you know, mm -hmm. and the releasing can sometimes be a little bit hard, but like on the other side of it is lightness and connection to the heart space and connection to true self. But it's like, like that sitting on top of that giant ledge before you jump into the pool of water, um, mm -hmm. down below, like, like that's the scary part is, is bringing yourself to the ledge. It's the fear of what might happen Absolutely. versus what, the experience of what actually happened. Yeah. And that ledge looks different for everybody, right? So I too yeah. work with a lot of folks who are trying to build up their healing, 
practice or entrepreneurs who are um, trying to do social media marketing. And so um, one of the biggest struggles that I see is the fear of being seen. You know, I think that that's a big one for entrepreneurs, especially as um, the way that marketing is nowadays. It's like, I love that it's less focused on you are broken and I can be the one who fixes you or this is my modality that's going to fix you. And it's more about actual genuine connection with your client base Mm -hmm. and showing up and telling your story and showing up and, and sharing what your philosophies are around your healing modality. But that requires a lot of bravery to be seen. And so I'm curious about how you walk through somebody who is on that particular ledge of being afraid of being seen. You know, I think it, it goes back to what we were just talking about around like the shoulds create an image of perfection. Mm. Right? If we check all the boxes and we go to the right schools and we have the partner and the salary and the title and the house, nobody can critique us. And so being seen is really about, can I, can I put myself out there and be seen for who I really am in an ideal case, uh, who I think people want me to be in a less ideal case, um, and it, it's very similar to what we just talked about in terms of the ego death is the anticipation is way worse than the actual thing. Mm -hmm. So the fear about, is this blog post good enough? Is this newsletter good enough? Is this, you know, uh, landing page good enough? Is usually met with silence and or praise Mm -hmm. of like, oh, great, you're doing a thing. Awesome, I'll come join Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) Or like, I went to your website, looks great. Um, there's so, in, in my experience of, of, I've ha- I have a blog, I've sent out newsletters, I've done tons of Facebook lives, I've done social media posts. No one has ever said anything close to the things that I'm actually afraid of people saying in my head. Mm. And part of, part of releasing that and the part of working with the fear of being seen from my perspective is really twofold. One, um, whenever we put the camera lens and focus it on ourselves, that's where we get into trouble. As soon as we flip the camera lens around and we focus on the audience that we serve and the people that we could be helping, mm-hmm. all of the fear tends to dissipate rather quickly. Mm -hmm. So if I'm worried about this email that's going to go out and I'm worried about what it says and I'm worried about the images and the formatting, is it going to look right? As soon as I flip that around and I go, wow, there's actually like probably 10 people out there who are really suffering with the thing that I could help them Mm -hmm. with. And the thing that's standing between them and getting help is this email. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I have this email out, they get the help that they need and they can do the work that they need to do in the world. And I'm like, okay, 
whatever I was feeling before, like I toss that out and I'm like, cool, I just need to help those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. Mm-hmm. So flipping, flipping the camera and, and putting it on the audience. Um, two is taking baby steps and doing a little bit at a time and just recognizing how unfounded those fears are. Mm-hmm. So doing a little bit of a Facebook post or a tweet or an email and just recognizing nobody replies back, hey, fuck off. <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop sending me these things. This is terrible. You're fake. Like, nobody does mm-hmm. that. And I think about it as like, how can we get more data for our brain to generalize from? Mm. So that it's like, oh, well, I sent three emails this month and people have only done or said nice things in response. Mm-hmm. My guess is if I send a fourth, it's all going to be okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, yeah. we. I mean, there's also the somatic approach of sitting with the fear yeah. and being with it. But typically in a class, in a class setting, yeah. um, those are the, the kind of two pieces that I teach as really helpful yeah. shifts. I love that. And I also want to say I love how you slowed down. When I asked that question, I think that other podcasters would maybe edit that piece out, but I want to leave that piece in specifically because this is what we all need to do, is we need to take that sacred pause so that we can answer questions with intention and answer things with thoughtfulness instead of just allowing the ego to like run off (laughs) and and just surf that wave you know I think it's really beautiful to have examples of people who take that sacred pause um and and really like I got to watch you sort of like scan your body is what it looked like on my side and um and really bring the whole body into the question. So first of all, that's what I would like to say. So folks listening, Mm. take the sacred pause and use Andrew as an example um, of someone who, uh, who does that. And I think what you're speaking to is, and, and I'm just, such a nerd about the nervous system these days and and going into trauma work and what I'm hearing in your answer is as a survival strategy people take on um, take on roles I don't know if that's the right word there but this perfectionist role right and that perfectionist role is really your sympathetic nervous system immobilizing, mm. right? It's it's saying it doesn't feel safe to make a move. It doesn't feel safe to create an action. And so I am going to sit here in my inaction because this feels safer to me in my body than it is to put a Facebook post, up, post out there, to put an Instagram post out there, to show up on Instagram with my face, right? Yeah. And so the place that I get curious about is where did you feel unsafe to show up as a less than perfect version of you? 
Mm. You know? Oh, we're going deep, Pat. <laughs> we gotta. <gasps> we gotta, Andrew. We gotta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's see. Let's see what that opens up in me. Um, my guess, the first place that my mind goes is being really sensitive as a kid and being emotional not not outburst emotional but like internal emotional Mm -hmm. listen to a lot of the cure and (laughs) um and i think what what happened in me is i had a blueprint very early of like how things were supposed to be and I didn't like it when things didn't go according to that blueprint. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, my grandfather was was fairly mean to my mom, mm-hmm. and so I also believe there's generational trauma that got passed down to me in the form of hypervigilance, mm-hmm. and that part of my survival strategy. Uh, is I developed hypervigilance of other people's emotions. Mm-hmm. I developed empathy and, and the ability to really feel them in my own mm-hmm. body um, as a means of protecting yeah. uh, protecting myself. And so um, so for me, like that little Andrew was trying to make sure everybody felt good. Yeah as a means of making himself feel good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when he couldn't perform and he couldn't create the emotional experience that other people needed, he beat himself up. Right. Right. And so it's so easy to see how if you were to get stuck in that story and this is a subconscious thing, right? This is a blueprint from childhood you can see how it is not just understandable but it makes sense that you might have a little bit of a perfectionist streak in you right and so this is like I think that a lot of times people get into this work thinking I just need to fix that part of me and again I think that this goes back to like let's not fracture all these parts of you because that perfectionism is also tied to your empathy Mm-hmm. which is a beautiful skill to have in your line of work as a coach, as a healer, as a hypnotherapist, because you're yeah. able to track your clients so much deeper than somebody who hasn't had to learn that as a survival skill. Right. Precisely. And so like, I think that this is where as we do healing work, it's so important to remember that it's not about letting go and fracturing these parts of you that no longer serve you, but it's about, okay, so how can we honor and integrate these parts of you so that we aren't losing these pieces that are actually integral to who you are? Well, and and the way I think about it is that you can imagine in a a startup environment or a business environment, Mm -hmm. it's really helpful on one hand to be able to track other people's emotional experiences. Mm -hmm. It's really challenging if you get lost in them. Mm. And we, um, I talk about merging a lot with my clients. So merging is like, 
I don't know where you stop, where I stop and you begin. And I just feel everything that you're feeling and everything becomes about you. And that happened a lot in my business career. And what I did was flip it on its head and be like, how can I actually get paid for that? (laughs) (laughs) Like the gold on the other side of that shadow is just putting that skill to work. Mm -hmm. And and also, you know, learning how to pull back from the merge and maintain my own wall, my own, like, boundaries, mm-hmm. um, which I've done, you know, through, through work with every man and a lot of men's mm-hmm. work. And um, so I think about this a lot in terms of, okay, what's your shadow? What's the thing that developed out of trauma? Mm-hmm. And what's the skill or the, the gold on the other side of it that you can actually use and, and benefit from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Kat, I'd be, I'd be curious for yeah. you, what does that look like for you? The, the shadow and the gold. The shadow and the gold. Hmm. I think that this is really a, a common story that I've heard from a lot of folks who go into healing work is this need to read other people in your family. Um, as a um, as a mean of pro- means of protection and mm-hmm. so I'm that has not evolved into perfectionism in the same way that it may have evolved into perfectionism for you like I I feel like I'm okay with coming off like a sweaty mess on Instagram like that doesn't bother me <laughs> <laughs> But, um, when you said merging, that was the piece that like, I was like, oh yeah, that one, that one I've had to do a lot of work on, um, Mm. because there was so much trauma in my family and I was the savior and the, you know, the one who made all the doctor's appointments. Um, my parents were Korean immigrants. They didn't speak English very well. And my younger brother oh, wow. was born and raised in the States and he didn't speak Korean very well. And so I was literally the translator of my family because I could speak both. Yeah. And, and so that merging happened early on as a way to not just keep myself alive and surviving, but it also kept my entire family alive and surviving. And so that became a survival strategy and also the blueprint for how I would you know, live my life, build my practice. I remember early on in my acupuncture practice, someone would come in with a headache and I would be like, okay, now I have a headache. Like, mm-hmm. I just took that on for you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so I think I had to swing to the end of merging to the point that it was unhealthy for me to be able to, like, we sort of circle back to this idea of like amassing enough discomfort that you now have to break out of it right yeah and um and so now i think that my role being the translator in my family actually serves me in my practice because it means that i'm listening to people and asking them what they mean by their exact words that they're using because sometimes the words that people use are not actually what they mean or holds a different meaning for them or it goes back in their history you know 
Um, and so it gives me this perspective of like a witnessing self just because I've had to be that witnessing self in my family. Um, and then that merging piece has been a struggle and I think that I'm finally starting to break out of it by actually one of the things that I, I think of is letting go of um, my acupuncture practice was about releasing this idea that I am going to fix people and really stepping into the idea that I can create a space where people feel safe enough to look at these scary shadows and look at these scary places that um, that maybe they've not been given a chance to, which is an entirely different way to approach healing, right? Um, not how yes. I was trained at all. Um, and I think it's it's needed because it really empowers people to make sustainable choices for themselves. And so as we start to work on people's wounds and their old stories and narratives, then we start to see these things that like I could have never imagined for them, you know, leaving corporate jobs, quitting drinking, leaving an abusive partner. Like these are all things that I think I could have never prescribed for them. And they figured that out on their own because they're able to tap into their own creativity when they feel safe. I think for me, what I've learned is, is through this work, you start to, to learn lessons that you couldn't have learned any other way, you know? Exactly. And that was, that was the big revelation for me was that, you know, here I am, when I first started out, I had imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And then when I, when I didn't know how to market myself, even though I was head of marketing for startups, um, I felt a sense of victimhood mm -hmm. and I had a fear of failure and a fear of being seen and a fear of success. And, um, my, I had to address those yeah. things to build the business yeah. and I had to put myself out there. And in doing that, um, I realized that my business was healing me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just such a powerful concept for, for a lot of the students that I work yeah. with is like the healing work and the business work are one and the yeah, same absolutely. and the distinction between the two is artificial yeah, yeah. and i'm sure that that's um, rippled out into various ways in your personal life as well like that's the thing that people don't really realize is that when you heal something in your business like the changes are tectonic you know they're on that like yeah. fundamental level that foundational level where it shifts how you show up with boundaries to your relationships, how you communicate to the people that you love, you know, how you value your own time and energy and resources when you're going out with friends. Like, like it all is connected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, you know, as we, as we heal this, we open up more opportunities for ourselves and for our clients. And I just tell people, you know, part of this is like, you can take care of yourself in order to take better care of your mm -hmm. clients. And imagine how different your life would be if you were getting acupuncture every week and you were getting massage every other week and you were eating or all organic food and you could afford that without worrying about it. How differently would you be able to show up for your clients? And Lisa Nichols, this wonderful African-American coach, has this great 
uh, saying of like, feed people from your saucer, not from your cup. Mm. Love and, that. Um, I'm, my parents are both Scottish, so that resonated <laughs> for me as somebody who grew up drinking tea five times a day. <laughs> oh, I love that. If you are a healer, a wellness practitioner of, of some sort, and you are in your wound, and you are trusting the universe to help you, and you're not doing anything about it, that is spiritual bypass. Mm. Yes. If you are complaining about clients not showing up, and you are not marketing, and it could look any number of ways, mm -hmm. but if you're not emailing, calling, social media, blogging, talking on stages, going into Facebook groups, like whatever it is for you, like if you're just like, oh, that's not my thing, that is your wound and that is the place where you get to do some work and heal that because what it's doing is it's preventing people from getting the medicine that you need yeah. or that yeah. they need. What, you mean we can't just, like, wish ourselves into abundance? Like, that's not a thing, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain amount of that, but it's not all of yes. that. There's a certain amount of, like, plugging into the universe and letting it know that you're ready mm -hmm. and you're calling people in. And, you know, one, one of the analogies that I really love is the optimist um, walks to the foot of the mountain, mm -hmm. looks up at it and goes, okay, let's do this, and start sprinting up the mountain, and all of a sudden collapses a third of the way through because they don't have anything that they need. They don't have water, they don't have food, they don't have a buddy. Um, the pessimist looks at it and goes, no, no way, I can't do that. And the realist looks at it and goes, oh, cool, um, I'm so excited to do that. Let me go to the store, get supplies, let me call my friend, get a buddy to go with me, get my tent, get my food, get my water, and start hiking up at a, at a pace that feels good mm -hmm. to me. And so much of, the, of this work is like, how do we not oscillate between the optimist and the pessimist? But can we stay in this place of equanimity yeah. and just learning, mm -hmm. like doing and learning, doing and learning? And from my experience, when I'm when I have a bias towards imperfect mm -hmm. action, that's when I learn the most. Mm -hmm. And so I really try and foster that mindset in students is like, you can sit here and analyze this copy all day long. You can send it out and actually see what happens. Yeah. And it'll be much quicker. Yeah. yeah. So I and I and much. I do want to yeah. Yeah, I do want to say for people who, who don't like writing or don't like social media, you can pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. Like, it is not a one-size-fits-all. You have to be writing or on Facebook Live. You can pick up the phone and just call people. You can go to live events and network with people, even even in this day and age. Yeah. Um, so there are, there are a variety of ways, but if you're not doing anything, then how are you serving? Yeah. And I love that that's how you approach the work because, I mean, so many of the things that I see out there are, it's like, 
you know, courses on how to show up for Facebook Live, courses on how to do Instagram Reels, courses on how to do all these like nuts and bolts type pieces. But ultimately, like, like most of the time people know what they quote unquote should be doing. Like mm-hmm. you should show up in some way is, you know, bottom line. But if you get back down to the fundamentals of it, it's like, okay, so why are you not feeling safe to show up? And then Mm -hmm. when you work on that safety piece, then the client gets to make choices about how they want to show up instead of it being this prescriptive, like now Instagram reels are the new thing. So like, we have to go do that thing. Like we have to go do it. So it's, it's really about, okay, so Again, here is another opportunity to do some healing work on yourself, right? And then that allows you to open up different choices that you may not have seen before. Because you're right, like, Instagram is not always people's thing. Facebook is not always people's thing. Like, I don't understand the TikTok. So, like... (laughs) (laughs) Or witch talk. Did you know there's a thing called witch talk? Yeah, there's there's too many. That's like witches getting together and talking about tarot and... A cold. Oh, it's too many things. I can't. It's yeah. too many things. So that's why, like, like it's easy to get overwhelmed and bogged down in the, like, minutia and the details of, like, the how. But, like, what I'm hearing in your work is that you get down into the why. And then from that mm-hmm. why space, it's like, okay, so now that you feel safe, what are your choices? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I... This is really like a general overview class. And if you have something that you're like, man, I really want to use Facebook. I have people that I can send Mm -hmm. you to. If you love Instagram, I have people I can Mm -hmm. send you to. Um, My job is not to just train you on one specific tactic um, or one specific platform. It's to say, hey, here's everything. Here's like the the big buckets that are Mm -hmm. out there whichever one resonates with you run with it here's kind of an a way to use it but if you want to dive deeper like go talk to this Mm -hmm. person yeah love it so can you share a little bit about this program that is going to be launching oh so very soon oh so very soon (laughs) um yeah so the the program is called business boot camp for wellness practitioners Um, Last time I ran it, I had coaches, I had estheticians, I had a yogi, two yogis, um, hypnotherapists, Reiki practitioners. It really is any sort of wellness practitioner that is in the first stages of their Mm -hmm. business. I will will give you the foundational ground skills, uh, core concepts and skills of of running the Mm -hmm. business. if you're in the first year or two or three of your business and you're not making more than 5k a month, um, this is also for you. So I'm going to teach you how to package what you do, how to um, make offers and speak about it in really powerful ways, and to give you a way to sell to people that isn't salesy, yeah. that's really authentic and um and meet people where they're at. And my my focus with this is how can I create a polarizing a polarizing message mm-hmm. where the people who need this raise their hand and go, oh my God, that's me. Yeah. Like, please take my yeah. money. And the people who don't need it go, no. Right. Like, that's not right. for me. Um, 
so I, I want to help people through that. I want to help people through this overwhelm of like, well, should I do Facebook? Should I do Instagram? Do I need a website? Do I need a landing page? Do I need convert kit? Do I need acuity? Do I need like all of that? I'm just going to give you a simple order of operations to do things and walk you through step by step of how to think about it. Here's the exercise. Here's what we need to put together. And the idea is over six weeks, we're going to build this out together and create the basic foundation for your business. So um, what it looks like is one kickoff event on September 11th. So we'll do a full day event and then there'll be a weekly classes and Q&A along with video lessons that you can review that dive deeper into each of the topics. And then um, you'll also get laser coaching sessions with me. So you'll figure, you'll, you'll get to say like, hey, here's what I do. Here's where I am. Here's what I'm offering. Like, what should I do? How should I implement this? And we'll go through and we'll do a couple coaching sessions for you. Um, and then there's also a VIP package where you get additional coaching sessions and you also get three hours with me every week to just do the work. Um, the biggest thing that I found in my own education is like, I would go in and I'd be like, uh-huh, yeah, totally, makes sense, love it. And then I wouldn't integrate any of it. <laughs> and so if you have that issue, we will all be on Zoom. We will all say, hey, this is what I'm working on. We're going to put on some music and work together and take a couple breaks. And at the end, we say, hey, this is what I did. And I found that external accountability and just having that sacred time in the week really helps accelerate and make sure that people get their homework awesome. done. Yeah, that sounds like such yeah. a great program. And I'm so excited for the people who are going to find their way to you. Um, I think it's... Yeah, me too. Because really, it's just about unlocking people's capacity to show up and do the work they want to do and like you get to help them build the vehicle to get them there exactly awesome and all of this is on your website which is subconsciousway.com you'll see a little banner at Mm -hmm. the top advertising the Mm -hmm. event perfect and are there any other ways that people can find you on the internets um i typically i I don't use social media a lot for my business. Um, I typically just use my personal profile. And on um, Facebook, you can look up Andrew Kippen. Uh, I think it's facebook.com slash academic, A-C-A-D-E-M-I-K. And Kat, we can also put these in the show notes. Um, So I'm on Instagram, I'm I'm on Facebook. Um, If you really want to get down and dirty, I'm on LinkedIn. You can see all my my biography and where I've worked. Um, but those are the best places. And I would say if you, if you want to reach out, I'm just Andrew at subconsciousway.com. Um, you can come to the website and do it through the submit submission form or just email me and I would be happy to um, answer questions about the course or answer questions about hypnotherapy and healing uh, for any of the listeners that want to just reach out and connect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me and, and, getting into the the deep stuff about business i think that a lot of people will get a lot of value out of out of this conversation um so thank you and yeah my yeah. pleasure and thank you for having me Kat. yeah such a such a joy to have you on here and i love when we get to just flow so thanks for flowing with me
wrapping up, I just want to send out a few pings of gratitude out there. First of all, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of our community. And I would also like to send some thanks out to Mayan Kites, who creates original music for our podcast, and for Andre Lagasse, who produces these podcast episodes. Thank you.